Good morning, or actually afternoon. <laughs> Welcome to Sold with Updike Pew, episode 68. I'm Jeff Updike. And I'm Weston Pew, and we're so excited. We've got this new time. And uh, last week, we both commented after the show how much more we enjoyed being during the lunchtime. Yeah. It is so much different, even the three hours. Yeah. Makes a huge difference, and we really liked it and thought that it just kind of worked better for us. Well, we get two lunches too. <laughs> this is true because we do snack before we get here. Um, if you hear crinkling going on during the show, that is Sessie because Sessie has decided that she's hungry, and so she's got some little uh, bits over there she's going to be eating on. <laughs> uh, so, how are things going in the market? What's uh, happening? I think that it's 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 good. Uh, we you had an open house. I had an open house. Mm -hmm. Jan had an open house. Um, traffic was nice through those. And I thought that what we were seeing was um, not so much tire kickers, but actually people that were interested in the house. Um, I think one of the ways we gauge it, and we always talk about this, is how long did they stay? What kind of mm -hmm. questions were they asking? Mm -hmm. Were they in? Were they out? Or did they mean to stay? Yeah. I had, you had great I, traffic. I had fantastic traffic. I had 27 people through my open house. That's directing traffic. Yeah, it is. It's really hard to try to connect with anybody or answer any real direct questions when you've got, you know, that many people kind of coming and going over a two, two and a half hour period. I, I, I like to hold open houses between one and three and I'll mm -hmm. stay, you know, I'll stay 15 or 20 minutes after just to see if anybody shows up late. And in this instance, they did the, the last couple that came through came, you know, run into the door about 10 minutes after three and like, Oh, you still open? Sure. Come on in. So, <laughs> you know, it's a good thing. One of the other ways that we kind of look at house traffic is, um, Inside of MLS, there are tours, mm -hmm. and they're designated to be by area. And so on Tuesdays, it's always going to be like North Dallas, Park City, Preston Hollow, and then East Dallas or Area 17, which is Uptown, splits the second, third, or they split the, the um, Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. And going through the tour sheet for East Dallas today, there were 47. And one of the things that we noticed is that a lot of these homes are brand new to the market. It's not something that didn't sell in 2019. It actually just came on the market mm -hmm. um, and some really great homes as well. Mm -hmm. um, North Dallas, not quite the same. You know, it's interesting in North Dallas market because um, I still think, you know, while that tornado had, you know, a very specific path, I think it's it, the ripple effect of it has caused mm -hmm. people to not, you know, jump to get their homes on the market as quickly as possible because they do have, you know, you do have to kind of drive through Beirut sometimes to get to a nice neighborhood. But, yeah. um, there are a lot of those, uh, you know, a lot of those people that are now beginning to cash out are already selling the lots and, yeah. you know, kind of moving on down the road because they know long-term there, you know, it doesn't, uh, somebody was talking about this with us yesterday, that it doesn't make sense to put 350 or $400,000 back into a house onto one of those lots that is not going to be contiguous with what is really being built over there. So. Absolutely. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had, um, after the storm, we had um, Ches Bostic mm -hmm. from ABBA um, Public Adjusters on. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's actually working with even two of the agents that are in our office, and they seem to be really pleased with him. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the agents actually picked him up after she had already begun speaking with insurance company mm -hmm. that it wasn't too late um, and that it's been a big help for her mm -hmm. and her family. Yeah. I think we've had... I think because of, of our introducing him, I think we've had five or six people that have started working with him. Yep. And so. I know that he also, um, I think Perry Miller Strife Group also pushed him out to all of mm -hmm. their sphere as well. Yeah, because they do a lot in that, uh, yep. really that, that the eastern side of Centra, eastern side of the tollway where a lot of that happened. So, but, you know, it, uh, it it's interesting. You know, you were, we were talking about the, uh, 
the 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 people the new people that I'm working with right mm -hmm. now that I'm helping them find their first for their first, their first home. Yeah. And you know, it's, it, we're going to, in our second segment, we're going to talk about questions you need to ask your realtor before you hire them. And one of the things that they asked me was, well, you know, what, what areas do you predominantly work? And so we put a little map together that really shows you uh, geographically where we've represented people, both buyers and sellers. And this is a little bit of a truncated map, but you know, one of the things that we really enjoy about our business is that we are very, uh, consumer oriented. We're not, uh, we're not neighborhood specialists really in any one neighborhood, but the data that's available to us out there really helps us still be able to support people, whether you are moving to Frisco from downtown or whether you're moving to Heath or whether you're moving to Rockwall, you know, we sold a house in McClendon Chisholm last year and, you know, we, sold, we, sold, it, yeah, we sold it to <laughs> them and we sold it for them. And, um, you know, we go all the way just barely into the north side of Fort Worth, and that, yeah. that's really that. Those that those are about our geographic east and west routes, but really anything between those two, and then you know north or south the metro, the north or south of Dallas, we're that's our neighborhood. That's our that's where we work. Yep, we we are the we're not the neighborhood specialists. We are the um, clients for life specialists. Yes, that absolutely. is our big call. Yeah, and I think that um, as things have progressed and the market has heated up, we've noticed that. Um, and you, you've made a note about this, about the first time you met, um, Danny and his girlfriend and mm -hmm. you said, Hey, I might not be the agent for you. So let's kind of get to know each other mm -hmm. and we'll see how it works. And I thought, you know, that's a great way, um, a great topic for the second segment. Mm -hmm. And so we've kind of put our heads together and came up with, um, questions that we think would be important, uh, before you actually decide and commit to working with an agent, whether right. you're buying or selling. They teach you in real estate school <laughs> and they teach you in, um, you know, whatever, whatever brokerage school that you go to, that you need to get a listing agreement signed or you need to get a buyer's rep signed. And yep. at that point, you know, you've got them as a client. And uh, while the, the documentation on it, the, the legal part of the documentation, I think is really important right. for everyone. Um, it's, you know, our approach has always been very different in that we, we, you know, a lot of times we, when we write an offer for someone, we're writing a buyer rep agreement for that one house right. just because, you know, if they don't like how we negotiate, you know, they, we don't want them to be stuck with us. But, you know, the other side of it too is if we don't like how they negotiate, we don't want to be stuck with them either. Because exactly. That agreement requires us to be, to work for them as long as that agreement is. And, you know, it's. Hey, it's, it's, we've been around the block a couple times. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we so, know what color that the, the spots are. Yeah. So one of the things that we decided to pull out, um, and we've seen a trend that has come about, is the the trend of the team, the trend of the teams. Mm -hmm. And in the last five years, that really has become a go-to. And you'll see sometimes a team has two people, mm -hmm. and sometimes a team has you know twelve people, and you're mm -hmm. like, how does that work? Mm -hmm. And so we kind of put some questions together that would be helpful. Um, if you're sitting down and having, having a discussion with a member or with a group um, on a team. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that we wanted to talk about um, is when you're actually sitting down with that person, are they the ones that are going to be representing you and working with you? Are they the, your primary contact? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important because that may not be the case. The mm -hmm. person that actually is there may actually be handing that off directly. And it may be an agent that you've never even met or didn't mm -hmm. know worked for them. Mm -hmm is now your primary contact and is going to be the one handling so much of that transaction. Yeah. It's a, it, it, it can, I have heard a lot of people that have, uh, have been surprised with how some teams operate. You know, one of, one of the things that, that, 
we do differently is there's four people on our team mm -hmm. and we are all um, we all generate our own business and the the real benefit for the the four of us is uh, is the way that we back each other up right and the the way that all of our transactions are processed the same all of our marketing is consistent and you know we but we still have that that team thought um, the other two people, Jan and David, don't work like, together like you and I do, but, mm -hmm. but they go out and they generate their own business. And, um, you know, I have skills that Jan doesn't have and Weston has skills that Jan doesn't have. And so when she needs something, she knows she can call on us and, and we go on listing presentations or do whatever to help secure that business because it does benefit all of us. Absolutely. Um, but um, a, a lot of teams like you were talking about, there, there is a there. There might be a lead generator person. That there might be a person whose name is on the sign. But then once you get in their system, you're really handed off to a, a many times a more um, a newer agent. Exactly. And one of the things too, another question that you and I were able to kind of work through is even if it is a small team, one of the things you want to know is like what are the strengths? Mm -hmm. How does how does the team function? Is one of them primarily one strength or do they all share the exact same strengths and i think that you and i are a little bit different because you have your set of skill strengths and i have my set of skill mm -hmm. strengths and they point in different directions mm -hmm. which kind of makes for a, we like a really well-rounded team mm -hmm. yeah i i would agree with that it's it's you know and it, part of it is uh you know the, the to me the question is how um how is what you are going to do benefit me as a consumer mm -hmm. what do you do differently what are your what are your core strengths that I wouldn't get with another real estate agent if um, if I didn't work with you? Absolutely. And you know, the other thing too is that um, you and I have built this team together and, you know, we sit with each other and the goal is not just to split costs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times name only is mm -hmm. the name of the team mm -hmm. and it's just in order to share costs. Yeah. So there's no overlap. There's, there's no symbiotic relationship. There's no development mm -hmm. of anything. Mm -hmm. It's just mine, mine. Yeah. And there's, there's a back. Yeah. There's a, you know, there's a consumer expectation now because the, because teams really have come into the, the real estate business anymore. Um, you know, they're uh, it's, I, I look at it and I, I'm, I don't know how single real estate agents are able to do everything the consumer wants anymore. Expectations are over the top. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I think that's another question that people need to ask us is, is how are we going to help set expectations for what, what's, what, what we're going to find, whether it's as a, whether we're a buyer or a seller yeah. or what is, what, are, what expectations should I, or how are you going to set expectations with me for the process? Because if um, if an agent just says, uh, you know, if if you're if a buyer comes to an agent and just says, well, I want to I want to look for uh, you know two thousand square foot three bedroom two bath that's in Richardson School and it's got to be in this elementary, you and I know that doesn't you know doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so for somebody to not say that to a buyer and falsely take them out and spend you time, know, that, spend time that you know that that consumers I, I think is unfair to the consumer. Absolutely. And um, the other thing, too, is, um, let's see, that was, how was that on that category? Sorry. Yep, you <laughs> ended it really well. Um, the next question we talked about um, knowing is knowing experience. Mm -hmm. So I think that is one of the most critical things. Um, we've all been new agents. Mm -hmm. um, so we all understand you have to get in and get things going. But at the same token, an, a, a transaction of a home is the largest one that you're going to have. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it has a lot of complicated moving parts and you really should vet to know what experience they have. Yeah. It's a, you know, and uh, having a, um, like you said, we were all new at one time and mm -hmm. having a new person is not a, um, is not a reason not to hire that person. But I think that if that person can't tell you, can't tell you who their backup is specifically, how that backup assists them, mm -hmm. how their transaction is going to be handled. I, I think that's a newbie who's just trying to find his way through and is not, it's what I think it's one of the, the, the weaknesses in the way the real estate licensing process and the real estate training process works because they, the, the real estate licensing test teaches you how to pass the, the license test. Correct. It does not teach you how to create a business and it does not teach you how to be a profitable realtor. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons that, gosh, I think the number is like 75 or 80% of the real estate licensees don't renew their license the third time. Yeah. And it's because your first license renewal is in a year because you've got another real heavy education thing that you've got to do to, for that first license. But then your next renewal is not until two years down the road. And so, you know, by that first license renewal, uh, you know, realtors are like, God, I've spent all this money. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta stay in one more time. It's only, you know, it's only gonna cost me another $500. I gotta stay in, but you know, if they don't have anything going in the next two years, they don't renew the license. So it's, the other thing too is an experienced agent is going to have um, marketplace knowledge, and that's understandable, and that's kind of a given. Mm -hmm. But the other thing too is you have a reputation with other agents. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to make offers, and they're all very similar, mm -hmm. it could be the, the difference between someone who has a working knowledge mm -hmm. of you and someone who is nobody. To yeah. them. And they've never done anything and they don't know where you, where you are and what you do. Yeah. So. One of my really good friends, Kathy Hewitt, who works in our company, who Wonderful. I've known forever. I mean, we've, you know, we were baby realtors together. She and I were talking one day and, and we had another friend who's passed away a long time ago named Dean, Dean Foss. And Dean told Kathy when she was a new licensee. And then Kathy shared this with me not long after that and said, you know, all of these buyers and sellers that you work with are going to come and go. But all of these realtors that you have to work with, you have to work with day in and day out. And so the reputation you develop is the reputation that you're going to have to work with. Yes, you are. And you will carry it forward mm -hmm. for a very long time. Yeah. We're struggling through something right now with somebody that we're mm -hmm. not, we've, we've struggled with before and our buyer wants this property and we're doing everything we can, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. It is Difficult. a challenge sometimes. So. And, but we knew it was. Yeah, we knew it going in. <laughs> we knew it was going in. So that kind of is a good way for us to segue into the third question and talking about part-time and full-time agents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you were talking when you said, you know, year two, year three, they kind of begin to fade out. Mm -hmm. And that's also in year two and year three when mm -hmm. they actually, are, there's a chance they're going to have to look for a secondary income. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we were talking about is, you know, in the world of professionalism, doctors and lawyers, you know, are you hiring a part-time or doctor or lawyer? You know, are they there when you need them? And I think that's a critical thing, especially as we move into the spring market. When things move really fast, sometimes it's not enough to be there on day one. You need to be there within the first hours. Yeah, there there are a lot of business models out there with brokerages that are um, transaction fee-based business models. Mm -hmm. And I'm not disparaging them because there's a lot of business models that are very successful in the real estate business. But if you're a brand new agent and you're and you've chosen to go into a business model where you only have to pay a very small flat fee for every transaction you close, you're not getting the same kind of guidance that you are when you work with 
uh, one of the full service brands that offers training to their agents and that, right. you know, and our company isn't the only one that does it. There are a lot of really good so, companies that do, but mm -hmm. um, I've, I've kind of, I feel like if somebody, if somebody tells you that um, they are with the fastest growing real estate company, the, those words to me are automatically a red flag that, that there, so if you're the fastest growing, that just means people are joining you faster, but it doesn't really mean anything else. Correct. And I, and I think what we just said, you, you, agents have reputations, brokers have reputations. Yes, they do. So again, th these are really important questions. Um, and your neighbors actually will have um, insight too mm -hmm. about their transactions and about what happened when um, Sally and Joe sold their house down the street. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these are really important questions that everybody should be asking. Yeah. There's, um, and, and I'll, I'll finish up with this just if there, I can't remember if we have number four or not, but the, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the dot-com days that we all experienced <laughs> in the 90s are about to be here in the real estate business as Correct. well. It's already started. There have been articles just last week. Yeah, just last week about, about some of the, 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 uh, the, the venture capitalist invested mm -hmm. companies that are closing. And, I'm, you know, venture capital, when times are really good, venture capital gets really free-flowing because everybody's got a lot of extra cash to try to right. throw enough around that they, they think to, you know, see what's going to stick. And But when... When they're preparing for a recession, and we've gone through one of the, I think the longest, you know, expansionary times in a very long time. Steve Brown would agree. Yeah, there, you know, there are there is a lot of, uh, a lot of preparation that's occurring within companies right now. I, you know, we have a friend that was um, had worked for Lime for a very long time, yeah. and um, you know, he was part of that fourteen percent workforce. Uh, reduction that they just had and and he was actually the 54th person that they hired yeah. and just finished opening asia yeah so it you know the 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 the, the, the I, I have a feeling we're about to see the a correction the, the correction <laughs> the, the dot-com venture of 2020 21 you heard it here first people. yeah well last but not least what we want to talk about is how technology is used um, by agents that you're talking with how do they get to people that are looking for your home in a way that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, what do they do? And I think that's the big thing. And I think that you and I are um, constantly trying to figure out what can we do. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest indicators right now is the show. Yeah. I think we've seen um, amazing growth with the viewers that we have on the show. Mm -hmm. um, you and I. Amazing exposure with the properties we bring on. Yep. And I think that, um, you know, we've got Ceci helping us all the time and it's, these elements um, that allow us to use multiple platforms of social media. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you, you know, we were talking yesterday um, with one of the clients um, that we had and we said, you brought up a really good point from the data that we had. And you said, we have actually had your property on one of our social platforms every three days. And that's where mm -hmm. we talk about it. And we link to the bio on the property mm -hmm. and it is a huge thing. And I think it's, it's going that step and then it's also telling the clients what we've done and shown them so they can like and they can share and yeah. they can comment. It's, um, it, it's not just about putting your, you know, we're going to put your house out on right. Facebook anymore. It is, it is about every social media platform and, and how do you present the home when it goes out? Do you do it just in static videos or do mm -hmm. you do it with a combination of video or do you, and static photos and, you know, Ceci does such a great, great job of, 
of putting stuff together for us. And, you know, even the, the commercial that you see in the middle, you know, that, um, you know, she put all that together and it's, uh, it, it's all, it's all so important right now. I cannot agree more. Um, and the other thing too that we did really started pushing out in 2020 was we've created a podcast as well. So the podcast now, I think you can Google and find it. it mm -hmm. And I know for sure it's on Spotify, it's on and iTunes. iTunes. Mm -hmm. but I think y'all were able to syndicate it in other platforms mm -hmm. as well. I mm -hmm. believe Google yeah. has picked it up. I think you can get it pretty much anywhere you get your, your yep. podcast now. Well, we hope that those are some really valuable questions that you would consider. Um, if you would like and have other comments that you thought were important. We'd love to hear about those as well. Right. Thank you for tuning in today. We really do appreciate it. And we hope to see you again. And remember, we want to be a Realtors for Life.